Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7. A couple of things that I'd like to mention to you as you're turning there. Our missionary of the week, Bruce Martin, uh, has been serving in Latin America for many, many years. And in more recent years has been kind of uh, mentoring some of the men who were saved and trained under his father. Uh, there in southern Mexico, but has also been engaged in ministry in places like Honduras and, and uh, Honduras and Cuba. And uh, just, he actually just got back from a trip to Cuba there, and uh, in his latest prayer letter was telling about that. But if you'd just be praying for uh, the Martins this week, and remember them uh, as they try to serve the Lord, and uh, I know that they would appreciate your prayers very much. Well, we're in Matthew 7. This is beginning the last chapter, and really we're down to the final few messages found here in the Sermon on the Mount as we kind of break this down into several different uh, uh, sections. And Jesus, of course, has been speaking to his disciples, and we could say that a lot of this, uh, this message or this lesson has been about discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. And uh, in Matthew 7, this begins a passage that is maybe controversial, certainly misused quite frequently, but we're going to read the first six verses of Matthew 7. One last time, if you would stand with me as we read the scriptures together tonight. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet... It shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God as we read. Well, I mentioned that this, this passage has been taken out of context Quite frequently, I think most of us probably at some point have heard uh, someone point the finger and say, ah, 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 God says, judge not, right? And they'll use that to say that we're not to be judgmental. We should not be looking at others uh, and look, certainly looking down at others, but we shouldn't even be judging. And oftentimes when a Christian simply states what God says is true and right, the response from those who don't like the Word of God or want to reject the Word of God say, well, who are you to judge? God is my judge. You don't judge. And they'll even say, again, Jesus said, judge not. Well, technically, that is true. He said, judge not. But that's not all he said, is it? <laughs> and uh, I think it's important that we really consider what Jesus is talking about here in regard to judgment. Because the Bible does not teach, let me say this very clearly, the Bible does not teach that it is wrong or a sin for people to judge. 
In fact, we need judgment, don't we? I'm thankful that our judicial system is made up of judges who can judge between matters and determine right and wrong according to the law. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, I, I'm thankful that uh, God has given to me as a father the ability uh, to judge within my family things that need to take place, uh, certain areas that need some help maybe, uh, areas of where there needs to be some encouragement, areas where there needs to be some discipline. I told one of my kids last night, you know, my primary job as a dad shouldn't be playing referee, <laughs> uh, but sometimes that happens too, right? You've got to judge between matters. And the truth is that good judgment is part of wisdom, isn't it? Good judgment is part of wisdom. And so it's not that judgment in itself is wrong, because Jesus himself said in John uh, chapter 7 that we were not to judge according to the appearance, but to judge righteous judgment. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 21, the Bible there says, prove all things. That, that means literally to test things out, to judge whether they be right or wrong. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Everything that you hear, everything that comes into your ears, every new philosophy or idea or concept that you hear, you ought to be judging that whether it is right and true and good. In fact, if you're not using judgment, you're not using discernment, you're, you're going to lead to a lot of confusion and error in your life. You're to prove all things, hold fast that which is good. In 1 John chapter 4, we're told to believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. In other words, don't, don't just believe everything you hear. And I've said it before. Don't even believe everything that you hear from the pulpit. Prove it against the word of God. Make sure that it's true and accurate because man, including myself, we are fallible and we are prone to failure and to mistake and error. So, so it's not that God's told us, you know, it, it's, it's wrong to ever judge anything or other people. And I know that a lot of people think that. Well, it's just wrong. You know, God is the judge, and nobody should judge anyone else. Actually, we are told that we, we are to judge. Now, let me give you the other side of that coin. That is not an excuse to walk around with a critical spirit. Uh, we are not looking for things in other people that we are, you know, trying to find fault. And I will tell you this, that having a critical spirit is not a spiritual gift. I've read through the Bible, and nowhere in the Scriptures is there an indication that one of the gifts of the Spirit is a critical, uh, 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 investigative spirit. I'm going to find fault with you or, or with, with other people. That's not of God. God doesn't want us to be critical. In fact, oftentimes critical people have a very easy time seeing the flaws in other people, but a hard time seeing the flaws in themselves. You ever notice that? In fact, let me just give you a little hint here. If you're trying to understand this, if you can point out all the problems in other people in your life, but you think that you have very little in the way of faults, you probably have a critical spirit. And that's not what God wants from us. And so tonight as we consider this, this idea of judgment and righteous judgment, what type of judgment uh, ought we to have? Is it ever right to judge? Well, I want you to notice that first of all, 
uh, in the first couple of verses here, uh, Jesus gives a word of, of caution, a word of warning. And here's what he says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So notice Jesus is not saying, don't ever judge anyone or anything. But here's what he is saying. Be cautious and careful about the way in which you judge, because you are going to be held to the same, same standard that you have held others to. And that, honestly, friends, is a pretty sobering thought. Because it's easy for me to hold other people to a standard that I myself may not live up to. Because I have excuses. You know, I have a reason why. It's, you know, it's, I know that everyone should do this, but you don't understand my situation, right? But this person over here, they ought to be doing that. And what Jesus is saying is, no, no, no. You need to understand that you too are going to be judged. And, and with the same judgment, with the same attitude that you have judged, you will be judged. Therefore, be careful about the way and the manner in which you do judge. Matthew chapter 7, hold your place here, but go with me to James, if you would. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, and, and, and James here basically says something very similar, but, but I'll tell you that these words really hold some weight, and, and, and it's a sobering thing to think about. Notice in James chapter 2 and verse number 13, look what he says here. It says, for he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Let me read that again. For he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy. Now, have you ever looked at someone else and something they were doing or something they weren't doing? and had maybe a, a bit of a judgmental attitude toward them and not really been very merciful. I know I have. But if I have judgment without mercy, God says I will receive judgment without mercy. If I'm not willing to make room for people and understand that, hey, you know what, what people are sinful and people are, are flawed and nobody's perfect, and I don't necessarily understand everything in their life and all their circumstances. Therefore, I'm going to give some grace. If I, if I can't do that, then I can expect that's going to come back on me. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And I'll tell you this. I am a person who has been very blessed in receiving mercy. I have received God's mercy and salvation, and most of you have as well. I'm thankful for that. But I want you to know that not only has God been merciful to me, but God's people, by and large, have been merciful to me. I, I, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've made a lot of mistakes in my ministry. Um, but I'm thankful that overall, not everyone, but overall... God's people have been merciful to me and kind. I'm thankful that I am the recipient of my wife's mercy because I have not always been a perfect husband, and yet she has offered 
mercy for me and been gracious and kind and loving. I'm thankful for the mercy of my children. I had to apologize to one of my children this morning for the way that I handled something and, and uh, just the, maybe the, the attitude or demeanor with which I, I dealt with an issue that needed to be dealt with. You can do the right thing in the wrong way sometimes. And I had to ask forgiveness. I'm thankful for the mercy of a son who's willing to say, it's okay, Dad, I forgive you. I mean, I'm just thankful that I've been a recipient of mercy, aren't you? And I, and I want that. You know, when, when, I, when I mess up, and I do, and I will, I hope that you will be merciful to me. I hope that you'll be kind. I hope that you'll be forgiving and say, you know what, he's an imperfect human being like me. But if I expect that from you, I have to be willing to extend the same. And sometimes people are so strong on the justice that they're not willing to give space. And the problem is that comes back on you, friend. Comes back on you. So he gives this word of caution. And then he gives us some kind of some guiding principles, if you will, about how we ought to show mercy. I want you to notice that he, he basically says the first thing you need to do is work on yourself. The first thing you do, before you have any right to judge anyone else, you need to work on yourself. Look what he says, verse number, um, we're back in Matthew 7. Uh, Matthew 7 and verse 3, he says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? In other words, he has, it has this idea, that word mote, it, it means a, a, a speck or a little piece of dust. You might be looking at someone else and saying, you know, you got something in your eye. You got an eyelash there. You got a little, you got a little something just kind of hanging out in the corner there. Let me get that out of there. The problem is sometimes we're, we're able to look and see someone else's need, but Jesus uses this example. You're, you're looking at the mote or the speck or that little piece of dust in someone else's eye. Meanwhile, you've got a big beam sticking out of yours, you know, you got a two-by-four that's going through your head, you know, and, you, and, and you're concerned about the, about the motor, the speck in someone else's eye. Now, that's a silly example, a silly illustration, but let's be honest, we've all been guilty of this to some degree, right? I have some major area of, uh, uh, of need in my spiritual life or in my character and something that maybe needs to be worked on Meanwhile, I look at someone else who, yes, has difficulties and struggles and sin. But I look at and I nitpick at their issues and never stop to consider my own. You know the truth of the matter, friend? If, if we would be honest with ourselves, every one of us has enough personal issues to deal with that we really don't have time to be nitpicking everyone else's. Mine included. I'm thankful for, for God's grace. I'm thankful that I am not what I used to be. But I, I like that saying, you know, I, uh, I'm not what I want to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but I can thank God that I'm not what I used to be, Right? I'm not where, I haven't arrived yet, I'm still a work in progress, 
I, I'm better than I used to be. God has helped me to grow. I'm more Christ-like than I used to be. But I still have so much to work on that if I would spend my energy and my effort really judging myself and dealing with the beam that tends to be in my own eye, that, by the way, causes some blindness, if I would spend the time focusing on that, I wouldn't have so much time to pick on other people for their problems. You know what I've found? A lot of times the most critical people are unwilling to see their own flaws and their own failures. And I think the reason that they have a critical spirit is that there is some intention to make themselves feel better about who they are. If I can look down on someone else, I can feel better about myself. Because they do this, and I don't do that. Or I do this, but they would never do that. Therefore, in our own minds, what do we say? I am better than them. What does the Bible say about comparing ourselves among ourselves? It says it's not wise. It's not wise. Someone said, if we all sin the same, we'd get along just fine. You know, if all of our issues were the same, we wouldn't have any problem getting along with each other. The thing is, the sins that I struggle with might be different than the sins you struggle with. So I can look at your sin and say, well, you've got a problem. But what I really ought to be doing is saying, Lord, I've got these needs in my life that I need you to be working me, on me about. I need you to deal with this issue in my life. So often we get our eyes on other people and the things that are happening in other people. But Jesus says, hey, listen, you don't have a right you don't have a right to judge someone else, to judge your brother, if you don't first take care of the need in your own life. Look at verse 4. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Now listen, not everyone's this way. Some people can wear contact lenses. How many of you wear contacts? Okay, I could never keep my eye open while putting a foreign object onto my eyeball. Okay, I'm sorry, I can't do that. My eyes, anytime something comes near it, they just close. I, I, there were times as a kid I had pink eye, and my parents would put these drops in my eyes, and they'd have to hold me down and pry my eyes open and put them in, because I can't stand anything going into my eye. So think about this, think about this. If someone says, hey, you got something in your eye, let me help you with that. Meanwhile, they got a big beam sticking out of their eye. How comfortable, how comfortable are you going to be letting them do their surgery on your eye? Not very comfortable. they got a blind spot, right? Jesus is saying, don't, don't do that. Don't try to fix other people's problems. If you have problems that need to be dealt with yourself, work on that. Look at that. Now, here's the thing. We need to judge ourselves first but the truth is that we don't even see, oftentimes we don't even see our own sin. Jeremiah 17, 9, what does it say? It says that, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The truth is there are things probably in my heart that aren't right, and I don't even know about them. And that's why, that's why David had to say in, in Psalm 139, search me, O God. And try my thoughts and, 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 and see if there be any wicked way in me. Look within me and see what you see. 
Because if it was just up to me to tell you everything wrong with me, I could come up with a short list. But if I would allow God to examine me and reveal the truth about where I stand, number one, I may not be all that, all that excited about hearing everything he has to say, but number two, I, we could get to the bottom of the issue. And so, so the psalmist says, you know, search me, O God. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, because I don't know myself. So I need God to judge me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, he said, it's a, it's a very small thing that I would be judged of you, which is like the greatest insult of all time. <laughs> you know what? You don't think much of me, but it's a very small thing that I'd be judged of you. My wife's grandfather says, it's mind over matter. I don't mind because you don't matter. That's kind of, a, kind of a mean thing to say. That's kind of what he said. It's a very small thing that I would be judged of you or of man's judgment. But then he says, I judge not my own self. Basically, I, I'm trusting that God, the righteous judge, is going to set everything straight. And I just need to strive to be right with him and let him judge me. So we've got to work on ourselves first. That's the first principle. Secondly, don't be a hypocrite. Verse 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Don't, don't be a hypocrite in your judgment. Much of our judgment is hypocritical, right? Let me let you in on a secret. I'm not better than you. It's a big secret, right? You're not better than me. We're sinners, folks. And for you to look down on someone else, or me to look down on someone else, because of flaws and failures and sin, is hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Biblical judgment is not looking down upon someone else. That's not the idea. In fact... If we would keep our eyes where they belong on the Lord Jesus Christ, we would find we are all on this very low plane. There are not degrees and levels of respect with God. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we're all in need of mercy. So don't be hypocritical in your judgment. Thirdly, let me say this. It's important to remember in judgment that other people, the brethren... Do not answer to you and me, they answer to God. I want you to again hold your place here, but go to uh, Romans chapter 14 if you would. Romans chapter 14. And notice that we need to be careful in judging other people because we can very easily step outside of our jurisdiction. Romans 14 and verse number 4 asks this question. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Sometimes we act as though someone else owes us something. But the truth is, 
that all of us will give account to God for our life. And though I will give account to God for the way that I have led and fed and, and tried to watch for your soul, I'll give account for the way that I did that. You will give account to God for your life. When I stand before God, you won't be there. When you stand before God, I won't be there. And so we need to remember that this is an issue. Our, our, the, the, the needs in our life, the sin in our life, the failures in our life, this is not an issue necessarily between us and other men. It's an issue between them and God and us and God. And sometimes we need to allow people to answer to God and just be willing to say, I would do things differently and I see a need there, but ultimately that's between them and God, right? To his own master he standeth or falleth. So in our judgment, we need to be merciful, we need to consider ourselves first, we need to not be hypocritical, and we need to remember that others don't answer to us, but they answer to God. All right? So that's the kind of the word of caution that he gives in regard to judgment. But I want to go back to Matthew 7, because if we just stop there, you'd probably walk away and say, well, I guess then it is never right to judge. Right? I mean, after all, I, I have my own problems. They answer to God. Everyone else answers to God. I answer to God for me. There is no place for judgment. But that's actually not what Jesus says. Because look with me at verse number 5 of Matthew 7. He says, thou hypocrite, speaking to the person who's got a beam in their eye, he says, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So in other words, he, he's, he does say there is a time. There is a time that it is right to deal with the mote or the speck in your brother's eye. I was talking to a few gentlemen this morning in church, the Sunday school hour, and I said one of the purposes of a New Testament church is for accountability's sake. Did you know that we are supposed to hold one another accountable? We are. A lot of people don't like that. They don't, they, they don't want to be engaged enough that other people would have expectations for them. But actually, it's a good thing and a healthy thing to some degree that we are part of a body where we are to hold one another accountable. We should be provoking one another to love and to good works. We should be exhorting one another. And when you see a brother or sister struggling or going down the wrong path, there is a time and there is a, a right way to approach them and to address that issue. To try and deal with the moat that is in their eye. It's after you have checked yourself it's after you have made sure that you are right with God. It's not in a hypocritical way. It's not in a way of which we are lording over God's heritage, but it is in a loving way in which we try to help other people do what God wants them to do.
Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. We'll go there in a moment, but not just yet. But in Galatians 6 and verse 1, uh, the admonishment is this. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In other words, there is a time to reach out to a brother or sister in need, in, in spiritual need, and try and help them to get things right. There is a time to lovingly rebuke. Now let me say a couple of things about that. First of all, biblical judgment is never for the sake of condemnation. Biblical judgment is never for the sake of condemnation. Let us remember who the accuser of the brethren is. It's our enemy, Satan, isn't it? God is the judge. God can condemn. We are not to judge for the sake of condemnation. In fact, if that is our attitude, as has been said before, if I point my finger at you, I've got three pointing back at me, right? So our judgment is not for the sake of condemnation. However, there are times when our judgment is for the sake of separation. There are times that, uh, that people are involved in things, in different sin and things of that nature, that we have the responsibility to separate ourselves from them. 1 Timothy 6, for instance, uh, describes uh, wicked people who have denied the faith, essentially, and, and it says, from such withdraw yourself. Ephesians 5 tells us that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we are to reprove them. So there is a time where we look at what someone else is doing and the things going on in their life, and we make a judgment call. <laughs> And we say, because of these issues, I need to withdraw myself. I need to separate. Because this is a bad or a negative influence in my life, and I can't have that. There is a time where our judgment is for the purpose of separation, not for condemnation, sometimes for separation, but always, always, biblical judgment is for the express purpose of restoration. The goal is always to help someone to get right with God. Sadly, sometimes in order to help someone get right with God, we have to be the bad guy and point out that things aren't right with God. This is one of the most difficult things about being a witness, about telling others about Christ, is it not? That's why so many people with a watered-down gospel message, here's the way they approach it. God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you want to know the Lord, just pray this prayer and, and, and everything's going to be okay. But that's actually not the gospel, is it? The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. And before a person can receive Christ, they've got to be confronted with their sin, don't they? That's a hard thing to do. We don't like to convince someone they're a sinner. Maybe you do. I don't. It's uncomfortable. And I'll tell you this. It's uncomfortable to go to a brother in Christ and say, listen, this is going on in your life. It's not right. It's causing problems for you, for your family. 
You're not right with God, but you need to get that right. And even though that's a hard thing to do, when it's done in the proper way, it is with the express intention of restoration. Let's go to Galatians 6. I quoted it to you a moment ago, or part of it. But I want to go to Galatians 6 and see what the whole verse has to say here. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Galatians 6 and verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one, listen to this, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So there's a right spirit and a right attitude in which to deal with sin in someone else's life, and it's in a spirit of meekness and self-awareness. That, that, that there are things in my life that if I'm not careful, I could become proud and arrogant about dealing with someone else's sin. And though sometimes restoration does require rebuke, I need to be very, very careful in considering myself in, that, in order that I can restore them. Bear ye one another's burdens, verse 2, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, look at yourself, be honest with yourself, and you'll be able to turn around and help your brother. You'll be able to judge righteous judgment. So while Jesus is not saying, don't ever judge, he is saying make sure when you judge that you're careful. In the manner in which you go about it, that you're not arrogant, that you are not proud in yourself, but actually that you are, approach it humbly, with honesty and confession before the Lord, seeking to be right with God yourself, not condemning someone else, but rather desiring to help others to walk more closely with the Lord. And then as we go back to Matthew 7, he kind of just throws this verse in there, this statement in there, verse 6, that if you're not, if you're not really considering how it all fits... You might say, well, what exactly does that have to do with anything? But he says in verse number 6, Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before a swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, I think everyone has heard of the phrase, even in the, just the secular world, about casting your pearls before a swine, right? Everybody heard that? The, the, the idea, the concept is um, you're giving something out that's not going to be received, right? It's taking something that maybe is of value, but you're, you're giving it to someone that isn't going to understand the value of it, right? If you took precious uh, pearls that are of, of value, of great price, and you throw it into the pig pen, those pigs don't know Oh, this is something that I need to treasure, right? It just, gets, it just gets caught up in the mud with everything else. That's the idea. And so what does this have to do with judgment? 
Well, the truth is that when judging other people, you need to make an honest consideration about how that judgment will be received. Sometimes it's better to just keep your mouth shut. That's a good lesson to learn, isn't it? Sometimes just biting your tongue and not saying anything is the best approach. Mostly because of how the other person is going to receive it. And sometimes I think that we can get kind of brash and harsh and certainly our tone and our attitude is going to influence the way the other person receives judgment. But even in addition to that, there are those out there who don't want any input. They don't want a rebuke. They're not open to any kind of a challenge. And sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut altogether. Go back with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9. And I wanted to show you a couple of things here in, in Proverbs. Proverbs 9. And verse number 8. What does it say? It says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase learning. You know, there are certain individuals that I know that I can lovingly and caringly talk to them about a concern that I have for them. And I know it's going to be received. It may hurt. It might sting a little bit. But ultimately, it's appreciated. And why is it appreciated? Because a wise person is always looking for a way to better themselves. I, I want to grow spiritually. I want to be more Christ-like. And sometimes that means that someone needs to point out something in my life that I can't see in myself. And I need to be willing to receive that. However, there are scorners out there who aren't going to listen to rebuke. And how should we deal with them? Well, go forward to chapter 28 of Proverbs. Proverbs 28 I'm sorry, 26 rather. Proverbs 26 and verse number 4. It says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Then the ver verse 5 says this, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Well, which is it? Do I answer a fool according to his folly, or do I not answer a fool according to his folly? This is the great paradox of the book of Proverbs, right? No, here's the idea. There are some people, and there are some times that you hear... Let, let me just put this down on the bottom shelf, okay? There are times that someone says something that's just dumb. And it's best to just let it go. 
Ever experienced that? And it's, it's best, just, don't argue with them. Don't get into it. Just let it go. But on the other hand, there are times that a fool in his folly needs to be corrected so that he is not convinced that he's right. <laughs> and this is where a discerning person must be a good judge. How is this going to be received? One area that this becomes very sensitive and yet needful is within marriages. A spouse can see all of the problems in the other person. We can see the flaws. We live with them. And it's easy for us to point those things out. However, there are times that it's best to just keep your mouth shut. But then there is a time to lovingly, cautiously, and carefully offer some input. But always ask yourself this question. Is what I am about to say for the purpose of edification and help? Or is it just maybe my own flesh and wanting to dig and wanting to cut and cause harm? Because Ephesians 4 tells us to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, right? And so while not all judgment is wrong, and some judgment is even right and necessary, it needs to be handled very cautiously and carefully in a measured and intentional way. So as not to cause condemnation or destruction, but rather to cause edification and restoration. To help one another to grow. And so I want to just kind of summarize this with a couple of questions. Are you a critical person? Are you a judgmental person? One who easily sees the flaws in other people and is quick to point them out. If so... Be careful, because that might come back to bite you. Are you judging righteous judgment? Are you allowing God first to work in your life and to show you your flaws so that you can be made right with Him and that you might have the ability then to help, to encourage, to edify, and yes, even at times, to judge righteous judgment in helping others to be restored. But we must always make sure it's done with a spirit of humility and meekness, and not one of arrogance and pride. So let's go back to Matthew 7, and I want to just 
Read this again. Having said all of those things, I want to read this again. And then we will be, uh, we'll have a word of prayer. Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what measure ye, or with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine, uh, thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you.